0: there's like a hundred things I want to unpack on this. But the one question that I really wanted to go into this morning after I, I literally could have told that story, I listened to a, an interview you did where you shared sort of your life's journey and, and Gabby, so many people get wrapped up in the way that they were raised or the circumstances of, of the moment or their time in life. And you know, they either, they either make themselves the hero or they make themselves the victim and i'm curious like for you how did you find that sort of hero, you know heroism to go out and do what you've done and then what advice do you have for the person that's maybe listening thinking you know i i, I kind of got stuck in my past
1: i think it's a really interesting and important conversation to have all the time because even though let's say for example i wasn't i wasn't paralyzed by my path to keep me from doing things there were attributes that developed Though that I still contend with today, that I'm trying to refine, that are internal um, traits. So, for example, um, I think my survival, my my drive to survive was so powerful that it actually overrode, um, you know, this idea of being a victim. I I think I was hardwired to be like, no one's going to do it. I have to go do it, and, and. I think there's something to be said. I said a lot of things come out of a chip on your shoulder and fear and things like that. But then I think we get to a place in life where we have to actually celebrate what gifts and talents we have and what contribution we wanna make. So if there was somebody sitting there saying, well, I've had a very hard past or people have not been particularly kind to me, things like that, I would say a couple of things. I would say that Not only is that over, but what high cards, what aces do you have in your deck and start to drill down and hone in on that. And also how do you want to contribute to the world that you live in? Because I, one thing I know is you can accumulate wealth or you could accumulate um, you know, uh, notoriety or all of these things, but really at the end of the day, what makes us feel good is when we contribute to the, to the world that we live in and and in some way offer our our talent to the tribe. If you, if you know what I mean, and and maybe the tribe is bigger. It wasn't, it's not a hundred people, but it's sort of getting in touch with that. And I also think that I don't want to say forgiveness, but there's something to be said for nobody did it to you. People did the best they, they could at that time. Maybe some of them are actually mentally ill, you know, like some of us could be born to people that are mentally ill or had a mentally ill uncle who, you know, came to the house and was inappropriate, right? And so in a way it's about how do we shift, how we look at things and say, okay, how do I go from here? It doesn't mean it's easy. And, and like I said, even for me, I, I sometimes walk around like my feet are on fire um, and I'm, I worry like about the future and things that are, it's sort of an unnecessary trait now and I'm always looking for ways to refine that within myself. Um, and, and so it, it never goes away. Even for people who have great childhoods, we're always going to be working on something. I think it's the human plight. So it's not about saying, well, I'm working on this. And once I'm done working on this, I can participate. Get going, participate, and then just keep working. You know, I call it sh- you know, sort of polishing the stone. Um, and be honest with yourself. Like, I feel afraid, I'm angry, um, you, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a, I don't know how to have fun. I don't know how to be successful. I'm a, I don't know how to receive winning. All of these things are okay to say.
0: And do you believe, uh, and I certainly do, do you believe we should look in the mirror and vocalize that, like own that, or is it more of an, uh, an interpersonal introspective moment?
1: I mean, certainly I think it can be introspective, but I find it the best to be able to be said to somebody that you're close enough to that, that you can trust that it's not, it, you don't become concerned that you've given this very delicate information to and they're not quite, and they're not also going to try to say to you, well, I mean, but everything's so good. You should be grateful. You should be grateful, but you should have the space to say, and I'm super anxious or I'm, I am afraid, or I doubt myself or I don't think I deserve it or whatever our stories are that we tell ourselves, because I feel like just the ability to put it out in front of us and to have someone else go, okay. I also think it minimizes the impact and we realize it's not awful that we feel those things. It's probably normal, but now what are we going to do about it? And so I think it's a dual. I think it's having that internal conversation to really, understand what you're feeling if it keeps showing up and then finding a safe place to verbalize it. But then there's another step beyond that, which is to take action. I think a lot of people get to number two even, and they even might go to therapy. But I think at some point, we have to begin to create new habits and new practices and do things that make us uncomfortable because that's how we sort of get through and get to the next. Have you met David Goggins? I haven't, I've only you know, followed his uh, him, him on social media or heard him on podcasts and things like that. I wonder what David Goggins is running from though. That's what I wanna ask David Goggins. <laughs> I'm joking, but you know. I,
0: no, I think that's a fan. So I've interviewed him twice. I've worked with him a couple of times. Uh-huh. Um, He's amazing. Yeah, he, he worked with my son uh, who's a tennis player for three hours backstage before he went on stage and i mean basically my son got a three-hour you know like just layout session with david goggins and he said to me afterwards thanks you know because david's intense but yeah. so much of what you're saying you know, is his conversation around the accountability mirror you know you've got to face it like if you're overweight you're overweight you gotta look yourself in the mirror and say you're fat now do something about it yeah right? so you know i think you said that perfectly um i want to ask you this question People would look at someone like yourself and say, I mean, my goodness, like, look at all of the success. But did you ever have any roadblocks that you faced? And if so, like, what were your steps for overcoming it?
1: Well, I think we've all heard this many times, but I know it to be true. We are all our own worst enemy. And even uh, someone like myself, where I might still do something and go for it and even work really hard at something Inside, I am, I am still my own, own worst enemy. And, and um, I think certainly you, I had roadblocks. But I will say this. I was involved in activities that were very complementary to a female. Mm-hmm. I was in uh, a sport, which volleyball is a, is a highly dominated fe- feminine sp- female sport. So we were in ways treated actually in an elevated way over the men. And, um, if you want to talk about fashion, I mean, that is a woman's deal. The male models are, you know, kind of props if you will. So I think my obstacles have been more like this, starting a new business, Mm -hmm. um, the successes and failures of those staying in, in those businesses, either too long, spending too much money in them. They were not right. Taking the lessons and going on to the next, because ultimately I've always been an entrepreneur right? you I'm a freelance person. So day to day, you have obstacles because you're forging the path. Um, I think what it is, is you keep drilling down on why am I doing this? Why am I really, really doing this? Do I believe in this? Mm-hmm. Do I feel proud of this? Is this time that is worth not being either with my family or doing something positive for myself? Am I willing to take you know the blows in order to get to the other side of this because a lot of times you'll be like well this isn't even worth it right and um and and then and then also once you do it enough i think there's sort of a rhythm and and a a pattern to things so like when i was joking earlier about business where uh, we then learn how to not only um align with people that are very good at what they do but also their sort of moral or philosophical compass is lined up. So if we get further down the road in business, there's not gonna be that conflict. It's also, um, and, and then, and recognizing and appreciating sort of teammates, if you will, in work that um, are good at what they do and deferring to them in their space and having that trust and things like that. So I think it's also about having enough failures that you get those lessons that you take into the next and, um, and make it smooth. But yeah, I think coming from sports, um, you know, I always joke, like when you go to practice, you work on what you're not good at and you get comfortable with that. And that is, I think when you can do that in your life, Hey, I'm not good at this, or this is not working. We're going to work on this, not always looking for, um, oh, that was amazing. It's like, that's not what's going to get you there. So it's, it's really sort of looking at you know, what needs to get done? What's the plan for that? A strategy. And then also going, oh, you know what? I'm not doing so good over here. I got to work on this.
0: Have you, I mean, everything you just said there is so battle tested as an entrepreneur. I mean, I've, I've been in this game for 30 plus years. I've started 17 companies. I'm invested in 57. And I, I actually want to take that snippet and basically send it to every CEO that of all the startup companies you've invested in. Cause you're, you're, Completely on point. But do you believe? Do you believe that sports and and the fact that we lose so often in sports actually makes us not comfortable with losing, but but more understanding of you don't always win.
1: Well, the losing is part of the winning. It's like life. The hard, like you discussed, your wife going through breast, you know, through cancer. Yeah. The the hard is a part of the joy. Is a part of the magic. Is a part of the elation it's like you know and i think if we look at life that way the losing is part of the winning the sadness is part of the the you know great deep you know love and joy that we can experience and not freak out but and it doesn't mean we can't feel sad or we can't be like wow i've got my ass kicked today in business and i lost but it's sort of saying and this too is a part of the formula yeah yeah
0: have you ever heard the concept of uh, the alter ego?
1: Um, I think I,
0: I have, but I, I, just so I'm clear. Well, just most, most athletes that I meet, a uh,
1: mm-hmm.
0: friend of mine who's a wonderful author who's been working with athletes, like professional athletes for the last like, two and a half decades, writes this book on the alter ego. And the concept is that, that most athletes, most performers, will basically create in their mind a persona that goes out on stage and operates at this super level when, when maybe they feel emotionally, they couldn't until those two eventually intercede or mm-hmm. connect. So like when I say that to you, like, can you think of an alter ego that perhaps you created either that was for business or for, or for sports or even for being a parent?
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If I could be a producer of, of, and a working person behind, oddly you, you wouldn't, realize it. No, seeing me, I don't, I'm not particularly, um, in need of a, of a lot of outside attention, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, I've always been comfortable communicating in front of lots of people and things like that. But this is what I did. Like, let's just take fashion for an example. I didn't want to stand there in like heels and a dress and like, you know, do that. But I also would go, okay, what's the goal and what's my job? And so I'm going to do that. I'm going to focus on that. I'm not going to focus on that. This is not really so much how I am and it makes me uncomfortable. I'm going to focus on my role is to do a certain job and what do I need to do that? And conversely, it was the same with sports. I'm not naturally, I mean, I'm probably competitive, but I would sort of up certain parts of my personality. So even for example, today I train with Laird and I don't normally, I train near him, but I don't train with him like a you know wouldn't do it to yourself and he gave us these drills and instantly i became a 17 year old boy because i was saying to to create that energy to get it done i had to be a little belligerent and i had to have something to push against inside myself where if i was like his wife or like you know somebody's mom it's like oh how many were doing 50 no instead of it was like i'm like a 17 year old Hmm. who's like okay, okay you know like a little bit obnoxious. And so I think within that, absolutely. I think, um, being a boss, I have another side that you, you create this alter ego to your point where I have to drop off information that's uncomfortable as a female. Um, I don't want to do it emotionally. I want to do it objectively as, as that person in that role. Mm -hmm. And, um, I definitely had to learn that language and, and create that person. So absolutely. Um, you amplify, that's what it is maybe, is amplifying different parts of your personality. I think when we do it and it isn't us, that's where we get into trouble.
0: Yes, yes. I,
1: I have friends that are like very well known and big performers, like arena type things, a yeah. singer. The problem is, is it's, it is such a part of them but also in some ways it's so far and I think what's tricky in those dynamics is like the drop come down and you, there's so much output and then you're getting so too much an unnatural amount of attention that it almost can make you depressed. Like a, you're bummed. hundred percent. So it's like, that's the only one I'm so grateful. I don't have to manage that because yeah. you see those people and I'm like, I don't know how you recover from that kind of attention and light and heat um to like everyday minutiae unsexiness take the garbage out um your chick wants to communicate with you and you're like why don't i just go in front of 75,000 people and just they love me so that's the only time i've seen where they go too far almost
0: yeah that's That's a a really um it's a fascinating insight i'll send you a copy of this book he talks a lot about um, Beyonce creating Sasha Fierce. Yeah. Uh, you know, Kobe Bryant creating the Black Mamba. Yeah. Right? And and at least when he talked about um, Sasha Fierce and Beyonce, he said like she, she would put great. on the Sasha Fierce outfit. So when she was done, she could take that off, set it over there, and go be Beyonce again. Yeah. And and so she was able to, at least the way he describes it in the book, I've not I've not met her and had this conversation, but he said that she was able to like take it off and i mean that's smart yeah i'm a performer so i know what it's like to be in front of six thousand people in an audience and then go home and my wife's like take the freaking trash out you know what i mean and i'm like like, take the trash out
1: and if you can like almost see the beauty in that duality you know because i always say life always has tension yeah um then that's where you hit this the sweet spot because then you're just like isn't that funny? Like yesterday, everyone was kissing my ass and I was up on stage and now I'm walking outside and I hope the raccoon's not here because I'm gonna throw my rubbish out. You know, it's like, if I feel like when we can sort of really enjoy that, yes. then I think it's it's in our favor.
0: Hey, it's Tom. Go to Apple Podcast and write a review. It means the world to me. Thanks in advance. Now, let's get back to the show. No doubt. No doubt. So, um, let's go back to business for a second. There was something that I read and, and repeatedly heard in podcasts and others where you've done like a really exceptional job, basically, for lack of a better way to describe it, controlling your brand right? Whether it was with uh, Nike or in your volleyball career, certainly your modeling career, television. Um, where did that, where did that come from and what insight would you share? Cause my tribe, the people that are listening to this, they're all entrepreneurs. They're salespeople. They skew mostly 54% female. And I say like my perfect customer is 55. She's married a husband. She raised another one. She's got kids. She's a baller in her business. And yet they all struggle with the same thing, like controlling their brand as they, as they scale trust in their business. So just kind of thoughts on, on where did that come from for you? And then what are your tips to do it?
1: That's an interesting question because I will say there's sort of two parts of that that come to my mind right away, which is one, you know, at 18 working in fashion um, and then playing ball, like I was even getting pressure to not play volleyball in college. And I was like, oh, that's not me though. Yeah. Like me is fashion is an, is an awesome opportunity. And, uh, I know what I see it for what it is. I know my limitations within that. That's the other thing is because of my size, there was real limitations. Sure. Um, and volleyball was like, that was me, you you know, kind of working hard and being on a team and all these things. So managing quote a brand, I always think it's strange. Like brand Jordan is a brand and every new athlete now talks about their brand, but they don't really have a brand. Um, controlling yourself uh is easy so if you say hey uh gabby do you want to endorse this product that you would never use in your life pretty easy to say that's not me so i've just always if you're talking about that said is that me is that a real representation of me would i use that do i feel proud if i ran into you on the street and you go i bought that thing because of you so i think i always had that compass and that comes from growing up on an island and just really having it early, being true to thine own self. Now, let's say, for example, at XPT or Laird Superfood, what I've learned now, if we're going to talk about entrepreneurs is first of all, the culture. If you want to talk about really protecting your brand first, you have to figure out what is your internal culture. And I've really learned, like I knew this and we've drilled down on it, but I have really learned this from our CEO at Laird Superfood where I mean, top to bottom, it's essential, that culture, then that bleeds out. Um, And, and, you know, the notion of going back to why are we doing this? And everybody, you know, writes their mission statement and it's okay. It's all pie in the sky and, and, you know, to create for the world and all this stuff. But I think you have to be constantly in touch with why am I doing this? If I wasn't going to make money from this, Why would I be doing this? What do I want to offer people? What do I want to get? And keep reinforcing that. But for the people who are entrepreneurs and they're the head first, they've got to be in charge of their culture. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And then, you know, don't go like, well, this time we'll do this because it'll be good and we'll jump ahead three steps. Yeah. But if you don't really believe in that or you don't really like those people or that brand that you're going to line up with, Um it might be worth it just to go a little slower to understand that when you get it lined up and it's right, it goes faster in the end. Period. It just will. It I always call it the exponential, like it's slow, but then man, if it's all buttoned up and it's tight and you're sure, boom. Yep. And um but you is it harder? Yes. Do you have to have more faith? You do. But that's why, that's what makes it so sweet and so, um, such an incredible experience when you get all those things to click. And by the way, if someone's on their first round and you know this from all the businesses you've been involved with, this may not be the one. And, and that's just part of it too. Work like it is and see what happens.
0: I love it. There was so much. I'm just looking at my team who's all taking notes as we're as we're doing this interview. There were so many points inside of that conversation. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna switch gears because I want to talk about something that is meaningful for again, for my tribe, salespeople, entrepreneurs, business leaders, startups. You know, you're an athlete, you're an entrepreneur, you're a mom, right? You're a business owner of multiple businesses. I guess my question is: how do you manage it all? Like what's your process? for keeping it all together. I mean, the whole enchilada, your entire life.
1: Okay, well, I'm gonna give you like the superficial elements first, because they're easy. I, in a day and age where everybody puts everything on their phones and their computers, I actually still write things down. Um, I have a very large notebook, because imagine I'm managing my work, our businesses, Laird's work, so Laird's interviews, my interviews, appearances, Mm -hmm. travel, uh, you know, phone conferences, board meetings, and then children. So I think first of all is writing everything down uh, in an old fashioned way because then it helps, I can see it and also managing it in the way of like how it's all connected. Because if I load you up Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and then the following Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I'm not seeing how it's all rolling out. So it's also about kind of creating flow yeah. Where you go, hey man, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you're jammed up beyond. So, we're, if I have the ability to slide and move and make it a little lighter for three days and then go, okay, back in. So, I do that. Uh, and again, that's the superficial. Um, hey, um, but go stop, ahead. stop for a second.
0: Two things. First, someone just walked through the door. I think it was Laird.
1: He's coming in because he's in between things and leaving.
0: Yeah. So, it's hysterical. Yeah. My whole team was like, there's a, a ghost opening the door right now. Yeah, it's Laird or the but, dog but really what you just said there, I think is so, I know you say it's superficial, but I think for my listeners to hear that there is a natural flow and energy, like, you know, are you good for three days of grinding and then giving yourself a break? Right. But what, what I see oftentimes is they don't, they don't grind. They do just little spurts and it takes them seven, eight or 30 days in a row, but they don't produce any results. They don't really go hard for a couple of days. So yeah, unpack that a little more.
1: Yeah. I think it's a, Okay, I'll give you an example. Let's say I'm, we're taking meetings, and I'm going to use myself as, a, as an example, as a female. I will be dressed for a meeting. I will probably put mascara on for a meeting and be ready. So why would I not go to three or four or five meetings when I've geared up, I've maybe gotten the kids dialed because I have the one, And, and then I know, okay, I have a gap. I can be more of a mom tomorrow. I can pick up and drop off or pick up. So I think it's also, when I talk about that, it's the flow. Because in my case, like a lot of people, you're a lot of things. And even down to this, I will look at windows because Laird and I have, you know, because I do manage his schedule, I can see where there's opportunities actually even for us to intersect and be like, okay, well, if he's going east, and I'm, you know, I'm going the other direction west um, for three or four days in a row, or whatever that looks like, or a week or something. I'm very clear that what needs to happen is somewhere in there, there has to be, we've got to be a couple. And uh, certainly the kids take that priority. So maybe I blow it, I can't take Brody to one practice, but I can take her to the practice two days later. So that's why it's like, If you're all in the momentum, stack it, you know, and if you then can say, all right, I get a moment to keep putting the chips into the other elements of my life, whether it's my, my family, my self-care, you know, people forget this, especially the women, Mm -hmm. you know, my friend, Kenny Kane talks about like, you have buckets, like it's work, it's self-care and family, and you only have so many chips, like where are you putting them? So if you're loading up on the work, then it's going to be time to redistribute at some point. And so I think this is really important. And, and also we, if we start to pay attention to how much time we waste, then we are so much more efficient and we will have hours in the day. And the problem is when we feel stress, we're looking at least for a quick distraction. So we'll go to social media. We'll do these things that suck time. Mm -hmm. And we don't realize we're just actually having a stress response. Yeah. Right. We're like, oh, I feel overloaded. I just need a different source of stimuli. And so when we can start to notice and say, okay, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to get up. I'm going to walk around, drink some water, come down, hammer it down. So that actually I'm going to finish work earlier today at four, not at 630, because I've wasted time and utilize that time either for myself or my family. Um, But really getting on top of the distractions, because in no time in life has it been easier to get stuff done and also more to just, you know, to kind of decipher through. So, I mean, that's how I manage it. And I'm always conscious of my quote unquote real life. Mm -hmm. Like I know if that goes sideways, I'm going to have a real problem. And so I'm not going to wait for, you know, Larry to be like, Oh, you've been ignoring me or my kids to kind of be like, you know can you ramp up the mom role um to sort of to to acknowledge that however i will say this it also is a luxury right this is part of saying i think about my business 24 hours a day i take it home with me i'll work on a saturday or sunday that is also a luxury given to me versus if someone let's say is going to an office they've got to manage it differently Mm -hmm. um so it's it's also about acknowledging that but if you're an entrepreneur you have to bust your own ass and put a system in place so that you can be successful and know where you're where you're weak or know where you can unravel or get distracted and fortify that so that you don't get yourself into
0: trouble. Yeah. There was a lot there guys. I'm looking at my team, they're over there like nodding. Yes. So so Gabby, you there's a lot of things about what you do and how you operate that impress me just doing my research. One of the things that I picked up on, and I think you just nailed it is, you know, you're the face and your husband's also the face, right? But you run the back end. and there's not many people that can be the face of a, a business in a brand and run the back end. Then you take the complexity of also being a wife and a friend and a mom. Like, first of all, share, maybe just shed some other light on if you don't mind. I know you just shared a lot, but a lot of my customers, they work in you know, husband and wife teams, Business partnerships, and and one is I I kind of describe it as the face, like who's yeah. out meeting clients and going on appointments, and like like they're out and about, and of course the one in the back who's managing the transactions, dealing with the money. It's kind of like the minutia and the grind yeah. versus fun and joy is the way they describe it. Yeah. What yeah. advice do you have in dealing with another crazy face for all yeah. those people that I love that run the back end?
1: You know, I, I'm first of all, it's it's like passing in volleyball. It's very unglamorous, but nothing happens unless you have a good passer and all the hitters get all the credit, uh, but you can't start one thing without that. So I think first of all, um, it's kind of, I'll give you, I'll give you an example. When I had my daughters, I was the one who got pregnant. I was the one who could nurse and Laird couldn't right. So he like second day, I have one of the babies and like, he's off surfing because he can. And, and I was thinking, oh, what my contribution is and what I'm doing is so very different than what he is um, able to do. And um, I'm sure of this. It's my, it's my choice to choose this. So if you choose to be the back end person, be clear that um, you have chosen this because you can't resent the other person that either they have a natural skill set that they can go out there and they got ding shiny and you know they're good conversationalists and they can cl- you know maybe they're more of a salesman and they can close deals and things like that um, it's being very clear first why you're doing it the role that you're playing if you know would you want to be in the front i think it's sometimes like when you go like that it's like oh do you want to be that person and most times most people doing the back end would be like yeah no i don't So you have a different role and how do you make that role work for yourself? Because if we're comparing, you're not even comparing the same thing. Um, And, and kind of being clear that it's probably more stressful because you have more information than the front end person. You know, what's coming in, you know, what's going out, you know, where the problems are, you know, that the shipping thing didn't work. And like, you just sort of have more information and it's about saying, oh, yes, but this is the job that I feel comfortable with, that I chose, so I'm going to kick its ass, and also within it, not just have it keep coming at me, but again, how do I create my skill set that I manage it in a way that works well for me? Because you can't just keep getting k- crushed by things. You have to go, okay, let us get, let me get some, let me figure this out and gain some perspective, and also even things like, systems, I'm a believer in systems. Like even if it's someone who works with you and you're the back end person and they're gonna give you a bunch of information, send you emails. It's like, listen, don't send me three page emails. Don't leave me two and a half minute voicemails. Say you need to speak to me. Because if that's gonna create stress for you, then figure it out. It's on you to figure that out and say, okay, rather than the three page email, say do you have 15 minutes say i'm going to come in your office or call you on the phone and let's just go through a few things perfect because then in a way you're always circling the bowl and you you know you're not getting anything really done but it's a bunch of stuff is getting thrown at you um and and so i and i think it's also enjoying there's an art and a joy to being behind uh that being in front is not so where do you where do you start to uh, you know really appreciate
0: um those things -hmm. that was a killer answer by the way like let's talk about okay let's let's stay in this conversation of like maybe just okay work right you think about volleyball fast action four different roles running plays that work like what have you found to be some of the better hacks in working with your multiple teams to keep everybody in sync and running plays that work and doing what works well
1: i mean listen after i it's about having the right type of connection because it's sort of like, I'll give you an example. Like I'm very close to certain teammates on like the Laird superfood all the way through the executive roles, not as much on XPT. However, my point person and co- one of my co-founders is my point person. And I, there's nobody closer to me than her. Mm-hmm. So it's about having for me personally, um, we're clear that we're on the same page and actually it's about paying attention. I don't just like how I'm paying attention. I'm watching things I'm doing the extra to look and even to see things like what posts are going up and how does that look? And, um, and, and if something seems a little off, not waiting for it to bounce and go crazy and then you're freaking out, but to go, Hey, can we get on a call and just talk about this? And so, I think I'm more impactful because I, I relinquish the control to the people who say, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is my job. And I say, great, I trust you. And this is your job. So that when I say I need to talk about something um, it's impactful, you know, it's, it's not like I'm trying to, you know, be a control freak because that's unproductive. We're only one person with so many hours in a day, that's dumb and you're never going to expand and really grow. If you don't know how to get people that you can say like, you know you're my other half and that's what you do and great but you got to pay attention you have to make sure that thing is staying in the tracks and if it kind of goes wonk a little bit you just have to say hey i noticed this can we talk about it
0: if you want more information about this episode including my show notes mentions links and everything else make sure you visit tomferry.com podcast that's tomferry.com podcast thanks again and talk to you soon